Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, views, and movie fan views. I said the <laughs> views twice. Oh man, I'm screwing up the intro. I forgot to add reviews in there. Man, okay. We're off to a great start on this podcast. All right, movie fans is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. Film for fans. Film for fans. Film for fans. Yeah. Having a rough go so far. <laughs> I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. I'm also the proofreader, in case you didn't figure that out yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wearing the FC Cincinnati jersey tonight, by the way. Nice. Got a new one, so. Orange, my is, my, orange is my favorite color, so. <laughs> Pretty happy. I have my it. Tottenham jersey on, but I wore that to play soccer, so I didn't feel like wearing that on the podcast. Yeah, we don't want to see all the sweatiness of that. No, that's no not thing. for anyone. <laughs> all right, we got a great show for you that's not filled with soccer and sweatiness. So uh, it's going to be a good one. We are going to look back a little bit and remember Chadwick Boseman. Um, we're going to talk about Tenant and break that down. And we're going to play the game of sequels. And of course, our watch list. So, Rob, uh, let's get started here. And we have to kick it off on, on the somber note of the the death of Chadwick Boseman. Um, Chadwick Boseman passed away about a week and a half ago. And he was, only, he was only 43 years old. And the star of many movies, most probably most famous for his role as Black Panther, but also 42 and um, 21 Bridges and a number of other really, really good films. Uh, so Rob, this kind of caught you by surprise. Yeah, I was in the middle of playing Halo with a couple friends and one of the friends said over the microphone, the Panther is dead. And I didn't know what he meant. And I said, Black Panther, like incredulously. And uh, I, I like, I minimized the window and looked it up, looked up his name. It was the only thing I could think of. And I was shocked when I saw that that's what it was. And I was even more shocked that it was not uh, something sudden like a car accident or something else that it was something that had been going on for several years that he had kept under wraps. Um, I saw that even Ryan Coogler, who uh, directed Black Panther as one of his best friends, didn't even know yeah. that he was dealing with this. And it, um, just incredible, really, that he was able to maintain such a strong persona in his acting while all this was going on. Yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable to think about everything he did while having cancer and to be able to keep up the schedule he kept. Um, and just in, in a world where everything about celebrities is out there, you know, whether we want to know it or not, everything is out there for him to have that, um, to keep that to himself and just to continue to fight that fight um, and do it outside the public eye. Um, there's just takes a tremendous amount of courage. I'm, I'm hoping he had enough support um, considering a lot of people did not know about it. I hope, I hope he had enough support and, and people along with him, but yeah, it's, it's so rare that something like this happens and nobody had a clue. Yeah. It's just, 
it's it's really humbling uh, to see the things that he did while fighting this disease, going to children's hospitals and meeting kids who had cancer themselves and being strong for them while he was fighting it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just unbelievable. I mean, the he, like you said, he's been in, in uh, he was in several important roles. He played Jackie Robinson. He played James Brown. Um, played Thurgood Marshall. But uh, Black Panther was obviously what he'll be remembered for and really was a cultural touchstone. Um, I think there's a, a large segment of the population that would have no engagement with what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe without that uh, performance. and. I don't know about you, but uh, when I think about what that performance meant for that franchise, one that we are both really big fans of, I remember maybe my initial impression walking away from seeing that movie was that more than any of the other movies in the series, it felt completely genuine to me. Uh, It didn't feel overacted, it just felt like he was that person Mm -hmm. uh, I think how he how he carried himself through this really demonstrates that that was true wasn't just something that I thought I saw on the screen it was something that he was living out in his own life yeah and uh, it brings up the fact that he is he is he was just a fantastic actor um you know I his role as Jackie Robinson was fantastic. I mean, that was such a well-done movie. And, you know, it's difficult to play such an iconic figure. And he did it. He did it amazingly. And he did it with agility. And he did it. I mean, you really got the sense of who Jackie Robinson was. I mean, I've read about Jackie Robinson. And being able to see Jackie Robinson on screen um, through Bozeman, it really, it really rang true to what I read about Jackie Robinson. And so he really was, he really was a fantastic actor and, and he's going to be missed for sure. I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to catch it or not, but ABC showed the entire movie commercial free, um, a couple of days after hmm. he passed away and they had a special on afterwards, uh, an hour long special celebrating his life and just, tribute after tribute from the people that he worked with uh, in the Marvel movies. You could tell that uh, he had, he impacted a lot of those people in a very deep way with a very small amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he is, he's certainly gone too soon and uh, the, the movie universe and the Marvel universe will not be the same without him. And uh, he will be missed by everyone who, uh, who watched his movies and especially those who knew him personally. So he, uh, it's a shame. All right. Well, to happier news, we'll move on to uh, yesterday, the trailer for the new Dune movie dropped. So this was a long-awaited trailer, uh, the update of Dune, done by Denis Villanueva, who was the director of 
Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, and a number of other really fantastic movies. And this was very highly anticipated. Rob, did you get a chance to see the trailer? I did see the trailer, and I'm going to maybe lose all my geek credentials that I have built up over the years by saying that I have never seen or read any of the previous adaptations of Dune, so I'm coming into this as a blank slate. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who are very into this source material uh, with this universe and very excited slash nervous about what might come out with these movies because there have been attempts before that have been viewed as not the best. And uh, I have to say that, you know, coming from a place of ignorance, that the trailer looked pretty spectacular. Uh, whether that will align with what people's visions are of how it should look on the screen, I guess we'll find out. And I had said to Ryan uh, before, we saw the movie Tenet, the uh, trailer, the teaser to the trailer, not the actual trailer, just a commercial basically saying, watch the trailer, which I thought was interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the regular audience engages with this movie because there are many hardcore fans who are over the moon about this coming out. Then I think there are a lot of casual people who have no idea what Dune is and have never heard of it. So it'll be interesting to see how it connects to the general audience. Yeah, I agree with that take because um, I, when I watched the trailer, I could definitely see influences from Blade Runner 2049. Um, some of the way the scenes look, some of the background settings, um, just the cinematography, there were definitely some hints of Blade Runner 2049 in there. And that was an absolutely fantastic movie that not enough people paid attention to. And so it, it will be curious to see if Dune just uh, speaks to the geeks or if Dune can get a wider appeal. I think it looks fantastic. That scene with um, the main character, um, putting his hand in the box and, and the, the priestess woman holding a poison dart next to his neck. Uh, that's engaging right there. I mean, the tension in that moment just in the trailer was obvious. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential. It's got so many big name actors. In it. Oh yeah, this, this the trailer unfolded. I just kept on saying, oh look, they're in this. Oh my, he's in this, she's in this, over and over again. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Dave Bautista is going to come, is going to be in all of Dennis Villain away of his movies, kind of like Michael Caine is in all of, yeah. uh, all of Christopher Nolan's movies. I wonder. You I wonder say Dave Bautista was in the trailer, but I don't think I saw him. I did. No, I don't, I don't think I saw him. He's... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. A little slow on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It flew right over your head. <laughs> yeah so the trailer looks fantastic um i i look forward to the movie i think it's going to be definitely one that's uh that you're going to want to see any other comments on dune i i'm excited to see it and uh as someone who doesn't know a whole lot about it i think that means that the trailer did this job yeah yeah i am i have not read the dune i've not read the the book so i'm uh I might check that out here too. Yeah, I might need to do that before I see the movie. Yeah. Okay. 
So uh, upcoming in theaters this week, we'll do a little bit of a segment on, on that each week now that movies are back. Um, so not a lot coming out this week. We have I Am Woman and Broken Hearts Gallery. Woo! Any interest there, Rob? Uh, I'm actually going to go off the board, and I didn't even tell you about this, but okay. there is a movie coming out next Wednesday that is mm-hmm. a limited release, so you may not have uh, seen the info about it, but a movie called The Secrets We Keep is coming out next Wednesday, and I looked it up, and it's coming out in Penn Cinema, and I'm going Ooh. to see it. Um, it is a movie about a woman who was went through World War II as a Jewish uh, woman with her family being persecuted and it turns out 15 years later that she becomes convinced that her next door neighbor is the nazi soldier who tortured her entire family Hmm. and she kidnaps him and tortures him interesting so it just seems like a really interesting premise very emotional and i love movies like along that line when i saw the trailer i i was hooked instantly the one thing that stood out to me most in the trailer uh it was haunting that it shows that the first time she gets this feeling is she hears the guy whistling for his dog in the park and it shows her have a flashback of hearing the same whistle as her and her family are huddled in their tent hiding from the nazis Hmm. and it was just incredibly powerful and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm really glad that it's going to be showing at Penn Cinema because uh, it is a limited release. It's actually releasing on digital the same day, hmm. um, and it's in a couple hundred theaters across the country just for a few days as well. That's cool that we got one uh, near our yeah. local area. So The Secrets We Keep is the name of the movie. Oh, very cool. Yeah. How nah. about you? Do you have any interest in those other two that are coming out? I'll be honest, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm hard up for, for new movies, so we'll see. But uh, it didn't there, speak to me. There are a couple of movies that have been out now for a week that I am hoping to have a chance to go see. Yeah. This week. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to our watch list segment a little later on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's uh, that's what's coming out in theaters. Um, also, check out the ones that have been out. Tenant, New Mutants, Bill and Ted, any of those sorts of things. So um, let's move on to our discussion item. And in the wake of the, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, this really has some, uh, this has some big effects on the Marvel Universe. So a uh, question I want to ask you is, what does his death, mean for marvel and specifically for black panther what are your thoughts on that well first of all i want to say it's really difficult to talk about this because i don't know when the right time is to even go there Uh, we certainly don't want to by any means uh make light of what happened or show any disrespect uh to chadwick by discussing this and i just want everyone to know it's not our intention with what we're talking about right now, but it will have a massive impact on what's going forward. I mean, obviously we don't have, we didn't have all the details released about what Marvel was planning on doing. We know about a few of the movies that are coming, but it seemed as if uh, Chadwick and Tom Holland were going to be the main figure figureheads of this next um, 
round of Marvel movies. And in fact, for a little while, it looked like it might be all Black Panther because Tom Holland was rumored to be on his way out because of issues between the studios um, holding Spider-Man's rights. Um, but yeah, I think it makes is a massive shift now in what Marvel does. And the question is, do they replace uh, his character? Um, there was already a Black Panther sequel that was going to be done. Um, do they find someone else to play him? Do they splice together old footage and use technology to build a whole movie around him? I don't know if that's possible. Uh, we've, we've seen small bits and pieces in the newer Star Wars movies and some other things of actors being recreated. Uh, it can be effective. I think of the scenes with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in the new Star Wars movies. I was absolutely blown away because I thought Peter Cushing was somehow alive again on the screen in front of me. Um, but it, it would be hard to do that for a whole movie. I don't know if it's something I'd even consider or even thinking about respecting him if it's something they would even want to try. Um, so there's a lot of questions to be answered. And I know you asked me the question, but I don't really have those answers because I, I feel like the whole direction artistically they were going in has to change. Yeah, I think, I think for me personally, I think most likely the way they end up going is they end up basically writing in another character who will take the place of T'Challa, who will basically take the leadership mantle. I don't know if it comes from one of the existing characters from the Black Panther universe, from, from that part of the, the Marvel universe, or if it's an outside character that they bring in. Um, but my thought is, I think it would be I think it would be too difficult to replace him with another actor who is Black Panther. I almost think that you're going to have to create another character to come in and kind of take that place. Maybe you do a scene where like, um, I don't know. I don't know how you rewrite it so that he, I don't know if you want to write a death scene for Black Panther. Cause that, that, I don't know that that's the direction to go, but somehow have him head off in some other direction. Um, or you, you know, kind of like they did with the Fast and Furious movies, they're just kind of say, hey, he's staying home with his family and we're not going to bother him. Um, however you do it, I think, I think it probably comes down to creating another character to come in. I have no idea how you can do that and still have the gravitas that Bozeman had as Black Panther. So I don't know what it means. I mean, I think that's going to be a huge issue because they just don't have as many characters, especially as big time characters anymore. I mean, I'm glad that I don't have to make those decisions or think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we'll see. I mean, it's, it is too early for them to make any actual decisions on that. And we have no idea if they even started filming on the second Black Panther movie or, or if they did what, what was done. So it remains to be seen, but it's a big, big question mark facing the, uh, the Marvel universe. All right. Rob, do you want to play a game? <laughs> That's ominous, but I, I think that I will be willing to give it a go. All right. So um, with some of the movies that have been out and some of the movies coming out, particularly Bill and Ted, 
and some, some of the other movies along that lines, um, we thought we would play a little game and it's called The Game of Sequels. So what we'll do is, um, and I believe Rob has some to ask me as well, um, but we will um, we'll start by giving you two movies who had a, a reasonably long time between their, the original movie and the sequel, and then you have to guess how long in between. So if we were to say like the original, like Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, then you, could, you would have to guess how many years between. So are you up for it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, do we want to alternate back and forth? Um, how many do you have? Because I have two. I have, I can do three or four. Let's, let's do three. You start with one, I'll go one, and we just go back and forth then. All right, sounds good. Okay, first one, Tron and mm. Tron Legacy. How long between Tron and Tron Legacy? I am going to guess 23 years. Okay, close, sort of. 29, okay. 29 okay. years. Yeah, 29 years difference. Wow, what year did Tron Legacy come out in? Tron Legacy was 2010. And uh, so that would make the original one 1981? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, in my head I was thinking 1985 for some reason. So yeah, I was a bit off there. All right, I've got one for you. Uh, the right. Mask and Son of the Mask. Oh. I'm trying to remember when Son of the Mask came out. It was not very memorable, so that's no. why. <laughs> it's a little tricky. Um, I'm going to go 13 years. Close. 11 years. Ah, oh, man. Okay. 1994 and 2005. Okay. All right. So the next one, the, the next one for you is Blade Runner. Blade Runner 2049. Okay, let me see here. This is close to the other one I said too. I think it is 26 years. More than that, 35. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking wrong decades. That's why I'm messing <laughs> myself up. Yeah, Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner was 1982. Yes, yeah, exa I did, that's exactly what I did. I didn't math well because these decades are really screwing with my mind right now as I get older. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking 1982 and 2018, so that means I was off by a year. Okay. So yeah. it was 2017? Yes, 2017. Okay. Well, yeah, so what I meant to say was 36, not 26. <laughs> All right. Um, this, this one's a little unfair, but I don't care. Uh, the original Toy Story and Toy Story 4. All right, so the original Toy Story, I think, was... That was 1995, if I'm not mistaken. The Toy Story 4, I think, was 2018. So that's what, uh, 23 years? You're close. The uh, Toy Story 4 is 2019. <sighs> off by one year. <laughs> All right. So Man. 24 years. Okay. And what's, what, what's the last one you got for me? 
Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber <laughs> 2. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I still don't think I've even watched Dumb and Dumber 2. You're really um, not missing anything. It was not. It was not worth making, really. But I, uh, Dumb and Dumber, did it come out in 1996? Close. <laughs> I know it came out in the 90s. Uh, I'm going to guess... Man, I really don't know when Dumb and Dumber 2 came out because I didn't watch it. Uh, I'm going to guess 18 years. Close. It was 20. Okay. 20. 20 or 1994 to 2014. Okay. Yep. 20-year difference between them. Yeah. yeah so in my, in my head, I had the right end date because I was thinking 96 to 14 instead of 94 to 14. But I think we did pretty decently there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not too bad given the uh, given the state and the, and of course the the impetus for this one was uh, Bill and Ted faced the music and so the difference between the first Bill and Ted nineteen eighty nine to twenty twenty so hmm. thirty one years on that one. All right, what do we got next? Okay, so now now we move on to the watch list and we review movies we saw last week and so. Um, this has to begin and end with tenant. And it is he is not saying tenant in case you are no, thinking that. Tenant. He was trying to say tenant. tenant. <laughs> I have been told that I do not pronounce this clear and articulate. You should just call it the T movie and just get on with it. <laughs> tenant. So where are we starting with this? Because there is right. uh, a lot to talk about. So let's 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 start with this. Your initial watch, your initial the initial impressions, feel, and general thought. Just your general impressions, having seen the movie the first time. I think I can sum it up in one word, uh, and this is not an insult. Uh, the word is confusion. Um, and I'm like, that's that's a good thing, actually, in my opinion. Uh, I feel. Like I need to watch. I told my brother I feel like I need to watch that movie twenty more times uh, before I can fully grasp what happened. Um, I've still only seen it the once, and I, I definitely need to see it several more times uh, before I get all the intricacies of it. And I don't know if I ever will, honestly. But um, we had talked before about how uh, Christopher Nolan makes these kind of movies without dumbing it down for his audience and uh i think we definitely saw that on display in this movie because there was no there there were some hints here and there but there was no um expositional character speech explaining every single in and out and inner working of what was going on like it just kind of happened in front of you so yeah what, what how about you so the first thing the first thing that struck me was just the audacity of the project um it was incredibly intense. The pacing was just ridiculous. Um, the The first hour of the movie just flies by um, with barely a moment to breathe in it. It's, you're just running from scene to scene to scene and they're just dropping little hints as to what's going on along the way. And I saw, the first time I saw, I've seen it twice now, the first time I saw it was in IMAX and the sound in IMAX is just so overpowering. Like it's just boom, it's right in your face. The soundtrack is pulsating. The soundtrack is blasting at you. 
And it's just unbelievably intense. It moves very quickly. And you're right, there is a tremendous amount of confusion because uh, he's introducing a brand new concept um, and small spoiler uh, called temporal inversion. And it's just, you're trying to figure out what is going on and how things are going. But it's, you're engaged the whole time. Even if you don't understand what's going on, you're engaged. And, and so. I mean, it literally starts with the, uh, not, I mean, I don't think this gives too much away, but it starts with the siege of an opera house. And going into it, if you know a little bit about the general concept of the movie, like you said, temporal inversion, uh, messing around with time. As you're watching that opening scene, like at least in my mind, the first time I watched it, I was like, um, am I even really seeing what I think I'm seeing right now? Like, am I, am, is it going to be completely different later on? Like, do I even trust what I'm seeing with my own eyes? Um, but I really liked that it just started, it just started that way. Like he dropped you right into action. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the movie. Yeah. So um, we talk a lot about this was not one of the things that Nolan has been criticized for in the past. And I don't necessarily agree with the criticism, but like on movies like Inception or movies like Interstellar, how he spends a lot of time on screen trying to explain what is happening. That is not the case with Tenet. He doesn't, he certainly does not do that with Tenet. He can't be accused of that for this movie. Um, So what did you make of the fact that even by the time on first watching, by the time you get to the end of it, you're still a little confused about it. How, how does, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think for some people it's going to be frustrating uh, because some people like to go to the theater just to shut their mind off and have something uh, spoon fed to them. Or, I mean, that maybe I shouldn't say it that way. That's kind of insulting. But some people like to go to the movies to um, not have to think. and That's okay. Um, so some people may walk away from it feeling the same way that um, some people felt at the end of Castaway or at the end of Inception where they were frustrated because they didn't know exactly what happened at the end and had to figure out themselves. And that might annoy some people. Um, for me, the way it ended just excited me about um, wanting to see it again and the potential of where the story is going if there's more coming of it. And I don't want to give away why I think that might happen, but um, I think you walk away with that feeling if you see the movie. Yeah, I think one of the questions this movie in particular brought up with me was, how much do we value the initial watch experience versus how you eventually view a film in time? Because I think if your whole goal was to go to a movie and completely get it and completely understand it and have the whole thing in place and one viewing, you're going to be disappointed with this movie. I think if that's your goal. If your goal is that you want something that you're going to be able, that's going to be able to last, that you're going to want to come back to again and again and again, and that the more you pay attention to it, the more you pick up on it, kind of like a really good book, how you, you learn something different about it every time. That's a whole different kind of art. And that's a whole different kind of movie. And I have, I've seen it twice now. And I, the second time I saw it, I loved it so much more because I understood it more and I picked up more. And there were more things I picked up on. And I've felt that way about some of Nolan's previous movies 
And I think he's just pushed that concept to the next level where you're not meant to get everything on the first viewing. And I think that's a whole different way of doing movies that we're not used to seeing. I think if we can compare it to um, television, obviously we're talking about movies here, not TV, but um, if you look at, uh, I, I would, I, some of the themes and just ideas and uh, thought processes behind how it was written, I would compare to um, a couple shows, Fringe and Lost, in that uh, you don't necessarily see everything by looking at the surface. Sometimes you have to watch it again and, and look a little deeper or talk about it. Like there, there's so much in those two shows that was discovered by people discussing it after they watched it, which is completely different than having it just on the screen for you and being told everything. And, and I feel like this movie is a, very much the same uh, in that way of thinking. Yeah, and I think he just, what he has created is so dense and so complex that it just takes time. It just takes time for your mind to wrap around it and time to pick up on things. And with the limited scope of a movie time, like, even Nolan's movies tend to run longer, like two and a half hour, 245 range, things along that line. Even within that small framework, there's only a certain level of complexity that most movies can attain. And he's trying to figure out how do I get more into a movie without, you know, expanding it to three, four or five movies. And he's just finding new and different ways to do that. And there's a difference between a movie that's confusing and you're like, that's not worth it. And I don't want to go back to it. And a movie that's confusing, you're like, now I want to understand. Now I want to re-engage. And I think Tenet definitely is that movie. If I could, uh, one more analogy I'd make maybe yeah. some other people can relate to is uh, I kind of view this movie the same way as like a tightly packed golf course mm. where there's like four holes all within like really close distance to one another. And they're all separate. So you've got these separate streams of thought going on, but in a way they're like right next to each other. So you might accidentally hit your shot to the right and have to play from the other hole and people are crisscrossing paths all over the place and it can be chaotic. And that's kind of how I felt about this movie that everything was, there were, there were several streams of thought and action going on and they just kept on crossing paths and you would see something and go, Oh, that happened. Oh, I remember that from earlier in the movie. And that just happened over and over and over again as the movie was going on. So let's get into let's get into uh, a few more minor spoilers and and talk about things. So if you don't want to know anything about the substance of the movie, you can uh, skip over this. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So what were some specific things that you really liked about the movie? Uh, I really enjoyed the chemistry between. Uh, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson. Hmm. Um, I don't, I've not seen Robert Pattinson in a whole lot. And obviously, uh, apparently unfairly, he's, he's uh, shoehorned into his Twilight role because this is everyone uh, will remember him for that for all time. And uh, the actor I saw, I was very impressed uh, with his performance. Um, another thing that, uh, really stood out to me, and I, I just mentioned earlier, was just the the way the story is uh, woven together with 
certain parts coming back in different ways. Um, I don't want to give specifics, but there are several moments like that in the movie that I really enjoyed. And the cinematography was top notch and I'm completely unsurprised <laughs> by that. I expect that at bare minimum from a Christopher Nolan movie. So, uh, I do need to see it a few more times, I think, before I decide where it is in my uh, list of Christopher Nolan movies, but I, I feel like it's pretty high up already. And, uh, really interested to see where, how I feel after watching it a couple more times. Yeah, I think, I think the highlights for me were the, the effects of time inversion. Um, you, have, you have, you know, bullets flying backwards and damage being undone. You have cars flipping and reversing and then driving, like having been wrecked and then come back and rolling backwards. Um, the, the ending battle sequence with troops moving in normal time and troops moving in inverse was just a sight to behold. I mean, you have buildings literally falling down, coming back up and being exploded again. Um, you've got whole chunks of wall coming back into a building you have troops going in reverse while coming. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, it's sheer chaos, but it's, it's a visual bonanza. It's so cool to watch. Uh, I thought one of the really interesting film techniques too, as well, was you could tell that several of the sequences were filmed with the actors moving backwards and then um, the recording was played forward. And that was just like, it's unsettling to watch because it, it looks so unnatural but it was intentional. So it's really interesting to see that effect too, because it speaks to um, the seriousness of being practical about how the movie was filmed. Yeah, and he used so few computer graphics and, and those type of special effects, even to the point of like literally blowing up a jumbo jet. And it just, there's something about that scene that just looks different because it's real. <laughs> And that's, you're just not used to seeing real. Okay. Uh, so uh, I wrote up a full review of Tenant that you can find at filmforfans.com. So make sure you head to the website and check it, check it out uh, and read a full breakdown of what we think about the movie. Uh, so Rob, let's move on to our last element. What's coming up this week? What do you intended on seeing this week? Uh, I, I am, like I said, I'm hoping to go see a couple movies that have been out for a while already. Um, I, will, I would like to go see The New Mutants because I haven't seen that yet. Uh, if there's some place I can watch Bill and Ted Face the Music, I would like to watch that. And if not, I might just uh, order it to my house because um, I'm very interested in seeing that. And like I said, The Secrets We Keep, I'm hoping to see. I might not have an opportunity to see it before our next podcast, but I am planning on seeing it while it is out. Um, hopefully it'll be out for at least a week and I have a chance to go see it. Yeah, for me, I'm going to try and check out uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, I'm headed to the beach later this week, so I may only get one in. So I'm going to try mm -hmm. and make it Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what comes up. I'm, uh, I'm going with some family, so I'm hoping to maybe show some uh, 
some good movies that the rest of my family hasn't seen. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm that, hoping I can get a few is, of them into into some movies. This that week. is the best part about being a big movie fan is uh, watching someone else see a movie that you love that they don't know about yet. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fantastic, especially if it's a great movie that they haven't seen. Like getting to watch a fantastic movie with somebody who hasn't seen it just makes you enjoy it all over again. All right, we got anything else? I think we're good for I think we're good for today. So uh thank you guys for tuning into the Film for Fans podcast. Um if you're if you're listening to us, uh rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Uh we're on all the major podcast channels, or if you prefer video, YouTube, check out our YouTube channel. And read our reviews at filmforfans.com. We've got a couple of uh, a couple of articles up on there now. And we're going to continue to do some more writing and some more reviews as movies come out. So thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the movies. Snowcaps are the best candy. And if you disagree, you're wrong. What? All right. <laughs>